Well, hello out there again. Uh, this is Beck Barnes and Jim Stebbin, your Cotton Grower Editor team, coming at you with the world-famous Cotton Companion here, episode 44 of the Cotton Companion, here on this, the last full week of March. Uh, the sun is shining out there. There's NCAA basketball on the TV, and we know that those ground temperatures are warming up, and y'all are kind of keeping an eye on that, aren't you, as y'all get those itchy trigger fingers to get out there and get started with your planting very soon. So uh, whether y'all are joining us from Bakersfield, California, or Belzona, Mississippi, or from any other far-flung dot on the Cotton Belt map, we thank you. We thank you for joining us. Uh, I am joined today, as always, by my partner in crime, Cotton Growers Senior Editor, Mr. Jim Stebman. Good morning, Jim. Good morning, Beck, and good morning, everyone. It sure is good to see, uh, see trees starting to bloom and uh, signs of spring everywhere, and unfortunately, the pollen that comes with it. The pollen is there. That's right. It's, I got cherry blossoms on my street, which are so beautiful to look at, and then, yeah, I, I start draining everything, and then they're not so beautiful. It affects how I view them. Uh, so anyhow, uh, before we get started, we want to hear a quick word from our sponsors, Phytogen. Phytogen is pleased to sponsor the Cotton Companion, bringing you the latest news to help you thrive all season long. So, all right, uh, as we mentioned, it's warming up out there, and uh, you all are no doubt starting to think about putting some of those seeds in the ground, and, and we know it's going to be a busy time for you. We want to remind you, I want to remind y'all, uh, if you're already listening to us, then you already know we want to be your planting companion while you are spending those long hours in the cab of your planter or in your spreader or later in the season, your tractors. Uh, tune into the Cotton Companion. We want to keep you good company while you're uh, out there. Man, y'all got so many gadgets on those GPS devices, on those uh, tractor equipment th these days. I know y'all get bored, you know. We, we, we're happy to keep you company. Tune in to us. We'll, we'll keep your attention for a little while at least. So uh, we're going to do that today with our look at the news items of the day that Jim here is going to lead us in, as he always does. And then we're going to bring y'all another installment of the economic update that was delivered by Mr. Joe Nicosia, a few short weeks back at the Mid-South Farm and Gin Show. It feels like forever ago now, partly because of this change in temperature that we've had. It was it was cold and gray and windy that weekend, but it's nice now. But anyhow, Joe uh, delivered. Uh, he, he is Joe is the head of the cotton platform at Louis Dreyfus Commodities, and uh, he spoke that weekend here in Memphis at the Gin Show, and he touched on a number of topics during that speech, uh, of course, offering up his expert insight but it's a lot to digest for those of us who aren't experts on a global level like Joe is. And uh, because, again, his speech was so wide ranging, he touched on so many topics. So uh, we had the idea to sort of deliver the recording of that speech to y'all in increments and uh, let you digest it along with us. And uh, we're going to be doing that with the second installment. We gave you the first, I guess, around 10 minutes of that speech last week. And we're going to give you the second installment this week. Jim, uh, is it about how long? About how long is it this week? Do you remember? Gosh, we're about uh, seven to eight minutes, I believe. Okay. On that. Great. That's a great little bite-sizable uh, uh, time to. If you're like <laughs> me and you got the attention span of a goldfish, that's a good. That's a good time frame to be listening to that guy because you will want to know what he has to say. So we'll be delivering that later in the episode. Uh, we got a great one for you today. We're going to uh, give you those items. And then we're going to wrap things up with a topic that is so essential and vital to the production of cotton, and that is 
uh, in our One Big Thing segment, we're going to be talking about the NCAA tournament, um, which uh, is going on right now. And uh, you may not be aware, but boy, it's a big year for Cotton Belt states in that tournament. So we just want to, you know, give you a little uh, human interest item on that at the end of this episode. If you are a farmer, maybe you got a team that's still in that thing. If you're like my partner, Jim Stebman here, his Tennessee Vols are doing well. So, man, he's happy to talk about that with y'all. For at least one more game. Yeah, for at least another game. More so than me. My Rebs didn't do so great, uh, but we were happy to be there. So, Anyhow, uh, for now, I want to turn it over to Jim, who's going to lead us in a, in a focused discussion of the nude I- news, not nude, <laughs> news items of the day, uh, up to and including NCC and commodity organizations uh, kind of uh, protesting, or not protesting, but um, at odds with the administration's proto- proposed budget cuts. We're going to be looking at the Cotton Board's Great Forever Cotton campaign, and a couple of... Uh, Congrats are in order for extension uh, guys who are very good friends of the magazine. So uh, we'll be bringing you all those items. I don't want to take steal Jim's thunder, so Jim, you can take it away now. Okay, Beck. I can only imagine how many eyebrows were raised when you said nude. Yeah, right. This. <laughs> right. No, this this is not that kind of uh, you know of a broadcast or podcast. Yeah. That, uh, mercifully, mercifully, yes. <laughs> thank God. Uh, but anyway, in today's items of interest. Uh, as Beck mentioned, we're getting more details out of Washington, D.C. regarding the administration's budget proposal for fiscal year 2020. That proposed budget includes cuts to a number of safety net programs that producers of cotton and other commodities are relying on. And needless to say, the National Cotton Council and other commodity organizations are pushing back pretty strongly against these cuts, especially since the 2018 Farm Bill was signed by only back in December and provided certainty on these programs for the five-year time frame of that bill. Uh, For beginning, uh, the first step on this is the National Cotton Council, along with other cotton industry producer and interest organizations, joined roughly 200 state, regional, and national organizations on a letter to the leadership of the House and Senate Budget Committees, urging them to reject calls for additional cuts to ag policies in the current budget discussions and negotiations. Now, this letter, and if you want to see it, it's posted on the National Cotton Council's website, pointed out that the 2018 Farm Bill improved on reforms made in 2014, it's budget neutral, and it's projected to spend far less over 10 years compared to the 2014 Farm Bill. Uh, The letter also reinforces economic challenges that U.S. farmers are facing, noting that farm income levels are still down 44% from 2013, that farm debt and debt-to-asset ratios are climbing, bankruptcies continue to be on the rise, and that retaliatory tariffs are harming farm prices and eroding competitiveness in key export markets. In a recent radio interview, Reese Langley, who is Vice President of Washington Operations for the National Cotton Council, outlined some of these proposed cuts, which include reducing premium subsidies available for crop insurance programs or purchases, Uh, tightening eligibility requirements for farms and how they qualify for the ARC and PLC programs, and lowering adjusted gross income requirements. Now, in that interview, Langley said he's fairly confident that this funding is all going to stay in place, but that uh, obviously the National Cotton Council and other groups are remaining fairly diligent in dealing with problems and concerns in light of the ongoing economic conditions and trade wars. So a lot more to be said and seen on that front 
but uh, suffice it to say, agriculture is, uh, is taking a stand and fighting back over some of these proposed uh, budget issues. Uh, next on the agenda, the Cotton Board. Our friends at the Cotton Board recently unveiled its new Forever Cotton campaign, uh, which highlights the versatility of cotton in a video series that, uh, that basically promotes the crop as a sustainable resource throughout the country. And they're doing this in a series of video stories, uh, and those stories right now include one focusing on cotton within cooking that uh, features restaurants like Cafe Du Monde in, in New Orleans, where I know many of us have spent some time, yeah. showcasing uh, their beignet secret ingredient, which is cottonseed oil. Uh, another one focuses on cotton within active wear, or athleisure, as they call it, uh, because of its unique and natural odor-blocking capabilities. And the third one that's currently on, online at this point is Cotton Within Farming, which is showcasing cotton sustainability through the actions of a West Texas farming family. Now, this uh, Forever Cotton campaign is currently running in both print and digital formats, and the video series can be viewed on the Cotton Board's website, on their Facebook page, and also on their YouTube page. So I urge you to check those out. They're all very well done. Yeah, I can't, I can't remember if I talked about this in the last podcast or not. I, you know, my memory is so terrible. But I, I did get a chance to go to the debut of these videos. The Cotton Board had a really nice event in downtown Memphis on Gin Show Weekend uh, there at the Cotton Museum downtown, which was a great sort of uh, event space for that. But uh, they unveiled these videos, and I got a first <laughs> glimpse at them. And, man, they're so slickly produced. Mm. I mean, they look like, you know, an ad campaign from you know, any major brand that you can think of. They, it's an ad campaign that is fit for a Super Bowl commercial. I mean, it's just really well done, slickly produced, very professional. It's something that y'all will be proud of when you see it. So, I, I or yeah, I urge you to go to the site that Jim mentioned and, and see those or just keep your eyes open for them. You will no doubt be seeing them uh, in our magazine or elsewhere online any number of magazines going forward or, or websites going forward. Right, and if, if you if you have trouble finding the links, go to, we have an article about the Forever Cotton campaign currently posted at cottongrower.com, and that article includes links that uh, that you can click on that will take you directly to uh, to the YouTube pages and to their Facebook page. Yeah, yeah, couldn't, couldn't, couldn't make highly, it any easier for you. Right, or recommend <laughs> it any more highly, go do it right, now. Right, right. Uh, next, we offer congratulations to two of the cotton industry's extension specialists uh, here in the Mid-South. Uh, Larry Steckel, who's a professor with the University of Tennessee Department of Plant Sciences, uh, received the Outstanding Educator Award from the Southern Weed Science Society during their, uh, that organization's recent annual meeting. That's an award that's presented annually to a weed scientist who has made significant contributions to the society and to the discipline of weed science through education. Uh, Larry has served as Tennessee's Extension Weed Specialist since 2003 and is one of the busiest guys uh, that I know at this point in the industry. Uh, and and most more recently, within the last few days, Darren Dodds, who's Professor and Extension Cotton Specialist at Mississippi State University, has been named as the new head of the university's Department of Plant and Soil Sciences, and that appointment becomes effective April 1st. Uh, Larry and Darren both continue to provide valuable information and research for the cotton industry, ranging subjects from cotton physiology to, uh, to training and responsible management of new dicamba products. Uh, as Beck mentioned, both of, both of them are very good friends of Cotton Grower Magazine, 
and we certainly extend our congratulations to Larry and to Darren on these new achievements. Absolutely. Uh, two guys that growers here, the farming community here in the Mid-South, we're lucky to have both of those guys and their counterparts are just so smart and so hardworking and intuitive in terms of what farmers will need from year to year from them. So uh, congrats are due to both of those two. Absolutely. And one last note. Um, we all know the U.S. cotton industry is a, is a sort of a great big close-knit community. And the same holds true for those of us like Beck and myself and others who cover the cotton industry. Uh, our fraternity may not be, may not be large, uh, but we've known and worked side by side with each other for decades. And we may work for different publications or other forms of media, but in the, at the end of the day, we're all good friends. That's why the recent passing of Henry Brandon of Farm Press Publications touched all of us deeply. Uh, Henry covered, covered Southern agriculture for 44 years. He was a master wordsmith, a conscientious editor, and above all, a true Southern gentleman. In his own way, he influenced all of us and made us better at our reporting, and we'll all miss seeing his smiling face in cotton industry meetings and at events. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Emory was a pro's pro in our little niche corner of the journalism world. He he was uh, so great at what he did, and, and that, yeah, our, our thoughts and prayers are out to his family and his loved ones over there. Uh, yeah. Okay, Jim, I guess that's if that's all you got, I appreciate you, sir, as always. And uh, we want to pause now to bring you a message from our sponsors, the good folks at Phytogen. Our custom content editor, Robin Sickberg, recently had the chance to sit down with Dr. Russell Newdy of Phytogen. And so we're happy to hear from those two right now. Hello, I'm Robin Sitberg of Meister Media Worldwide, and I'm here with Dr. Russell Newdy, Phytogen Cotton Development Specialist. Welcome to the program. Thank you, Robin. Good morning. Well, as the cotton season gets underway, growers are making their final variety decisions. So what are some of the things they should consider? Yes, at Phytogen Cottonseed, we're excited to approach the 2019 year with a broad portfolio of Phytogen varieties that offer the Enlist Weed Control System and Wide Strike 3. In addition to that, we offer a wide range of breeding traits, including bacterial blight across our portfolio, root knot nematode in the majority of our varieties, and verticillium wilt in several varieties as well. Well, that's uh, interesting. I've One challenge I've heard a lot of growers talking about is the cold, wet winter and the late spring. So what should growers focus on given the weather so far in 2019? Yes, with, with the spring and the, the weather we've had this year, looking at trying to get in the field and get a good start, we know that we can always rely on the vigor of phytogen cottonseed. But a couple of other things that will be interesting as we approach this year will be to look at the opportunities to use the Enlist weed control system for the burndown part of, of the weed control year. With a wet winter, it's always hard to get in the field and get things done, so we may be up against planting dates before we're able to get ground rigs in the field. In the past, prior to the Enlist weed control system, you'd have a 30-day plant back with 2,4-D, and now if a grower uses Enlist, they can use 2,4-D in their burn down and not have that 30-day interval. They can burn down right up until the day of planting, which adds a lot of flexibility to their tight schedule. Another thing to consider is with a cool, wet growing condition, if there's root knot nematode populations in the soil, the two-gene root knot nematode protection will 
not allow those nematodes to get hold of the plant where a susceptible variety would be significantly held back. That's excellent. It sounds like there's uh, quite a few choices for growers this year as they start to begin the season. Um, one final question for you is uh, where can they get more information? The best thing to do would be to contact your local phytogen territory manager or cotton development specialist. And if you don't know who they are, go to phytogen.com for more information. Okay, well, thanks, Russell. We need to wrap up, but I appreciate you being on the program today. Thank you, Robin. Very good. So thank you to Robin and Dr. Nudie for that. So uh, now we want to keep this thing rolling here uh, from the custom interview to uh, another, uh, normally an interview segment. This week's a little different. Uh, our Market Minute segment this week features the most qualified expert, as I heard Dr. O.A. Cleveland call him, and that's Mr. Joe Nicosia of Louis Dreyfus Commodities. Again, I touched on it earlier, but this is an excerpt from his wide-ranging speech that he delivered at the Mid-South Farm and Gin Show in early March. And uh, we know that whenever Joe speaks, people take notice, and we wanted to give you all the opportunity to hear that expertise straight from the horse's mouth. And so, uh, Jim... The segment that we have today, was the, are we talking China or are we talking fundamentals or a little bit of everything? It's a little bit of everything, and this sort of comes back into the center section of, of his presentation. We're kind of focusing on his thoughts on some of the lasting ramifications of the current trade war, uh, which include the growth of Brazil as a long-term competitor and supplier of cotton to China, and obviously how all of that is going to impact the U.S. cotton industry. Yeah, I, I can remember for a long time, back in 2010, when we were covering the uh, WTO dispute, but which featured pitted Brazil against the U.S. I know that all of y'all farmers will remember that. Um, I was doing some writing about Brazil back then, and if there was a weakness of their industry, it was their infrastructure. They got giant farms out there, but they got roads that you can't get to them. And so that they, you know, they had struggled in exporting what they produced. And uh, now, uh, one of the side effects of this, I'm trying to set up what Joe's talking <laughs> about here, and I don't want to steal his thunder, but what he's going to say is one of the side effects of this ongoing trade war with China is they are turning uh, more fully to Brazil, and Brazil in turn is making these decades needed upgrades to their infrastructure. So, uh just paraphrasing what you're going to hear from Joe. He, he can say it much more eloquently than I can. So I'll get out of the way here, and uh, we will play Joe's speech for you right now. So if you can get the deal done, the rumors center around an additional $30 billion of ad products. $30 billion. That's a lot of money. When you start penciling it out, they pretty much got to buy everything on the list, if that's true. U.S. cotton would be the major benefactor of that, especially not only in terms of increased exports, but also increased production here in the United States. And cotton, most importantly, secures the number one spot for what will be the largest buyer of cotton in the world. So we got a lot of stake with China. But that's not the only thing in the world going on. So today, as we move forward, Coming after your exports. So we better be ready for this fight. And with it, it also made this not work. There we go. 
So we got some lasting ramifications of this trade war that we're going to have to deal with for a while. And we've created new foes, new competition, and formidable ones. So as you look through today, China, when they weren't buying U.S., what do you think they did? They bought something else. They bought Brazilian. Sure, they always have bought Australian, they buy West African, they buy other groceries and stuff too. But Brazilian is changing their world because of this. So now we've created this long-term competitor. We sold them the largest amount of Brazilian cotton we've ever sold China other than the amounts we've sold in the United States due to this trade war. And because of that, what do you think happened to the Brazilian producers? Got a higher price? Got higher basis, got rid of his volume, feels pretty good about himself, prices were good. So what is he gonna do? It's increase his investment. New gens, new production area, new pickers. And for those of you who've ever been down to Brazil, you know they're serious about production. You're talking about farms that are miles and miles and miles long with nothing but rows and rows of crops. So the thing that worries me the most about this is not that they made a sale. It was not that Brazil was the benefactor of being able to replace the United States, but that their excitement levels up and they've made the investments, and those investments are here for years and years to come. So Brazil's going to increase its production. It's going to increase it a lot, and it's going to increase it every year going forward. So how much so? Well, this is just the last several months. From May of 18, the production estimates for Brazil have gone from 8.7 million bales to almost 11 and a half. That's 100% export. And if you look at their export estimates, they're going from 4.5 million up to 6.2. And they're going to keep growing from that one, too. There's a finite number of bales that are going to be exported in the world. The more they take, the less there is for us to get. So we're going to have to be prepared for this. If you remember eight years ago, who was the competition then? It was the Indians, right? They increased their production, their price was cheap, they tried to establish their cotton around the world. The more difficult part here with Brazil is that their cotton's good, and it's very much like cotton here in the Mid-South. All right, so uh, we uh, appreciate Joe. He did give us uh, permission to repurpose his speech for on this platform, so we thank him not only for his expertise, but for his graciousness in allowing us to reproduce it. So uh, thank you, Joe. Uh, and finally, for our One Big Thing segment this week, again, I mentioned it earlier, my partner in crime, Jim Stemmen, was happy. He, it was his idea to talk about this NCAA tournament, <laughs> and I don't begrudge him that because, man, uh, Tennessee – has looked great, and, and uh, I would have a little extra pep in my step if my team were in the Sweet 16 as well. So, But he, he was thinking about it and put together all these stats, and, man, it's it's actually kind of uh, eye-opening. Uh, Jim, I, you can take it away from there. Well, it, part of this comes back to the point when, when the tournament field was announced, there were all of these proclamations over how many teams the ACC had, how many teams the Big Ten had, how many teams the SEC had, and, and – on and on and on. And I started looking at it and I'm thinking, well, how many teams, if we take it from a cotton belt perspective, from ranging from Virginia all the way to California, 
and uh, and also including Kentucky, just because there's a handful of cotton acres across the Mississippi River from the Missouri boot heel. Uh, that gives us 18 states uh, that are represent, represented in the tournament when they tipped off last week. Uh, basically, 34 out of the 64 teams in the official tournament, and that's not counting North Carolina Central, which lost in one of the play-in games, uh, all came out of Cotton Belt states. And as the tournament tipped off, unfortunately, there was only one Cotton Belt state that was did not have a team in the tournament, and that was Arkansas. Yeah, and, and if it's a consolation to our Arkansas <laughs> listeners, I fully believe y'all would have done better than Ole Miss. My Ole Miss Rebs did, so you guys are playing great at the end of the season there. So uh, there's my consolation to, to y'all. So anyway, when, when you step back and look at it, uh, the state of Virginia put five teams into the tournament. Virginia, Virginia Tech, Old Dominion, Virginia Commonwealth, and Liberty. Uh, North Carolina had three teams. Uh, Kentucky has four teams. Texas had four teams. Uh, others ranged from you know three teams to one team in uh, in the tournament when when everything was said and done and tipped off. So now that we've gone through the first weekend and that, that group of sixty four has been uh, is now reduced to the Sweet Sixteen. Uh, Go back and, and sort of crunch the numbers. Not really, but uh, but take numbers that are small enough for numbers that are small enough for us to work with. Yeah. Uh, go back and take a look at it. Twelve of the Sweet Sixteen represent the Cotton Belt at this point. Um, basically, we've got still have Virginia, we still have North Carolina, still have Florida, Alabama, Louisiana, Tennessee, Kentucky, Texas. Uh, left in the uh, Texas Tech. We you you got to specify there. Well, but the state of Texas. We oh, have okay. Texas Tech, and we have Houston still. Okay, okay, Indiana. okay, okay. I didn't, yes. I didn't want to. Uh, yeah. I just know we would hear about it if we gave Longhorns credit. No, 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 no. Red Longhorns Raiders. seem to be doing okay in the NIT, and that's fine. We don't we don't worry. Nobody worries about the NIT. Yeah, totally fine. Okay, uh, so yeah, twelve of the Sweet Sixteen uh, come from our Cotton Belt states. Uh, as we move into the, the next round of tournaments, unfortunately, we've got three games where we will have Cotton Belt, uh, cotton belt States teams opposing each other. Uh, that's going to pit Duke versus Virginia Tech, who I believe Virginia Tech knocked them off at one point in the season. Yeah, they did. So that, that should be a, a, another good game. North Carolina and Auburn, which should be an excellent game. And Houston and Kentucky, which could be a very interesting game. Yeah. So um, as, as we get through this, obviously, by the, by the time we come back to you with our, with our next segment of the Cotton Companion, there will be a national champion crown. Will there be? It'll be over in two weeks. It'll be over in two weeks. Okay. So uh, at that point, all we can do at this point is just kind of keep our fingers crossed and, and pull for, the, you know, for those Cotton Belt teams to, to break through and, uh, and keep things going. Uh, because once you step outside of, of the Cotton Belt, I think out of the Sweet 16, Obviously, there's only four teams left that uh, that don't represent, and that's uh, you know a couple out of the Big Ten, uh, one out of the Pac-12, and then Gonzaga out of the uh, the West Coast Conference, yeah. who you know could obviously win the whole thing. But so uh, odds are pretty good that some of y'all, somebody listening to this podcast, has a team that's going to be a champion in the next two weeks. So I begrudgingly wish you well. Wish you wish you future congrats on this. 
it must be nice for your team to not get blown out in the first round. It must be real sweet. Well, I think it's an interesting, interesting change too, because most of us in the Cotton Belt really focus on on football. Yeah, that's fair. That's always our strong point. That's that's where we get our bragging rights and things like that. So you know, to to come up to the uh, to the men's basketball tournament at this point and and represent our uh, our Cotton Belt as well as uh, the teams have done. It's, it's kind of a, a refreshing change and, and maybe just kind of a, a shift in perspective a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Lady, lady Hoopers, we don't have all the numbers on them, but I know that Cotton Belt's well represented there. As Mississippi State ladies do so well, so we would be remiss without mentioning them. Absolutely, and, and we'll keep our fingers crossed. I haven't, I have not had a chance to, to crunch those numbers, but, uh, you know, it's uh, the, the Southern teams. Are uh, are always very strong. In addition to a handful of teams from uh, you know from up north, right? Uh, who shall go unnamed? Yeah. <laughs> right. Jim is a, as a Vol fan, very uh, familiar with that s- scenario. So, all right, Jim. Well, thank you for that. Again, a little nice little human interest note. I know that if y'all are like me, your brackets are busted by this point, but you're probably still following along. So. Uh, we wanted to have a little fun with our one big segment there. So, all right, that's going to just about do it for this, the 44th installment of the Cotton Companion podcast. We want to thank uh, a number of folks, including Mr. Joe Nicosia, for allowing us to use his great speech here on the podcast. And uh, again, we know if you are listening to this podcast, you know all about Joe. He is, he is as respected of an industry voice as you're ever going to find. So uh, we appreciate his efforts and his gracious uh, offer to let us use that speech. Uh, once again, we want to thank the good folks at Phytogen for sponsoring us, and we want to thank you, dear listener, sincerely for joining us. Uh, if you like what you're hearing, by all means, tell your buddies about us. They can do that in three easy ways. The first, go to the cottongrower.com website, add forward slash companion, such that it will read cottongrower.com forward slash companion. And uh, that will take you to a landing page that has all of our past episodes uh, located in one convenient spot. The second way, subscribe to our channel on iTunes. If you're familiar with iTunes, you got a smartphone, go to your podcast app, get in there, search for The Cotton Companion, subscribe, and leave us a rating. Let us know what you think of how we're doing. The third way, the best way to make sure you're receiving The Cotton Companion podcast, sign up for the weekly Cotton Grower e-newsletter. Jim here works hard to pack that thing with all of the good news of the day, uh, and they hit your email inbox like clockwork every Tuesday morning. Uh, so you can do that by simply going to cottongrower.com forward slash subscribe, and uh, it's very intuitive from there. You follow it to sign up. Just give us your email address, and you can sign up for that e-newsletter. Also, finally, please make sure you're following us on social media. We are at Cotton Grower Mag on Twitter. And on Facebook, you can find us by simply searching for Cotton Grower Magazine. Uh, We know, we hope that y'all are enjoying the latest issue, which is going to be at this point the March issue. And uh, the April one will be in your mailboxes here about two weeks from from when y'all are listening to this. Jim's so proud that I got that without having to ask. (laughs) He's glad that I didn't bother him with that for once. So uh, this podcast is produced by Tyler Hatch, who works at the Mothership, Meister Media Worldwide, in beautiful Willoughby, Ohio. My name is Beck Barnes, and I will be back with you in two weeks on the next episode of The Cotton Companion. For now, on behalf of my own Cotton Companion, Jim Stebman, we wish you all the best.
Phytogen thanks you for listening to this edition of the Cotton Companion. To learn how you can thrive with Phytogen, go to phytogen.com.